You're listening to the Five Points Church Planning Podcast, where two church planters try to make one good point. My name is Reed, and I'm the intern pushing all the buttons. We're going to do a little church planter selfie and try to figure out how do you know if you're a church planter. With us today are two people who had to figure that out at one point in their lives, John St. Martin and Hunter Brewer. John, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty fine, Hunter. How are you? I'm good. Have you broken out the snow shovels in Fargo, North Dakota? No, but I am getting ready to get my snow blower going soon. Oh, it's nice. uh, starting to get cooler out. It's a nice 70 degrees sunny day today. Oh, I'm uh, jealous. The best part about being in Fargo is we don't have to eat boiled peanuts. John, Cajun boiled peanuts are a common grace that God has given to his creation. I will send you some as soon as possible. Now I'll stick to the barbecue, please. <laughs> well, uh, today we're going to talk about what does a church planner look like? Who, who is a church planner? Am I a church planner? These are kind of questions people maybe ask themselves uh, while they're going to seminary, before they go to seminary, maybe an assistant pastor or a senior pastor considering um, the idea of planting a church. And maybe they have some misconceptions about what church planters are or look like or should be like. So we want to dig into that a little bit today. Uh, what does it mean to be a church planter? What do we look for as uh, people who want to see other people planting churches? Maybe a, you were part of a network for a while. Uh, what, do, what are you looking for in pr- people to plant churches? Um, what are the characteristics? Those kind of things. How do we describe a church planter? John, that's a good question. It's also multifaceted in terms of who is a church planter. I think one of the mistakes that's often made is that we hear about or we see church plants that are successful and they become large. And we look at the church planter and we see a dynamic speaker, a dynamic teacher and preacher, a person that is um, very engaging and winsome. And we think, well, there's the model. That's what we need in terms of a church planter. But every church plant is its own thing. And so I think what we're looking for, what we're hoping for, at least we were when I led the Mid-South Network, is that a church would become spiritually healthy and evangelistic and faithful to what we believe in the Reformed tradition, no matter what size that church became in the future. And so different people have different skill sets and they can serve as church planters. They may not be the type that's going to lead a church plant to significant size, but if they can guide this church plant to the place where it's spiritually healthy and faithful to the scriptures and God is glorified, I think that is a wonderful thing. Yeah, that's, that's helpful. I think there's a really helpful guideline that I saw once. It was a spectrum of, on the one side, a pure pastor, and on the other side, a pure planter. So a, a pure planter would be somebody who, you know, goes to a place, you know, maybe an unreached area, and they, they're there for three, four, five years. They find elders. They, they spend this time. They get the church up and running. And the last thing they do is they help that church find its pastor because they're the planter and they help them become particular uh, 
to be established and then they move on to the next plant, right? And they don't have any real interest in staying long-term. Their calling, their gifts are, are building and, and training leaders and, and they are just gung-ho, that cowboy entrepreneur, like you said. On the other side is the pastor, peer pastor who he just loves the sheep and he wants to be deeply involved in their lives. And he has no interest in ever moving away. And he bought the cemetery plot the day he got to town, right? And for the majority of pastors, we fall somewhere in between there, right? There's very few peer planters and there's very few peer pastors. There's, there's usually somewhere in between you fall on one side of the spectrum. But what's really helpful to know is that, like you said, not all church plants are created equal. And so there are different gifts for different people on that spectrum. And then there's different opportunities to plant uh, within, uh, within the, the denomination as you are uh, going out into unreached areas, or if you're just doing maybe a daughter church. And so those, those categories are helpful as people want you want to consider where they land. If they want a church plant, they might be more of a pastor than a planter, but there might be a church planting opportunity that's really well suited for their particular gifts. Your context is unbelievably important in de- determining who the planter is going to be for a particular spot. When I was working with the Mid-South Church Planting Network and I talked to, to pastors and seminary students about church planting, there were a series of questions that I would ask, but generally I wanted to know, do they have a heart and a passion for lost people? I think that's a significant attribute that's important in church planting. Uh, You want guys who clearly can teach and can preach, but they are passionate about reaching the lost. They're passionate about the lost in their community. They want to spend time with people, discipling them and shepherding them. That's something that's central that I would look for as I talk to people about church planting. Yeah, that's good. You know, I, I often tell people you need you need kind of a couple things to be a church planter. And one of them is a somewhat naive, optimistic zeal. Mm, that's good. <laughs> that's, I, that's, yes, absolutely. You, you, you think you can go do it. You're optimistic that the Lord is going to be at work. But there's a sense in which none of us really view ourselves as some sort of pure planter or have the spiritual gift of church planting or going to follow in the footsteps of the apostle Paul or something. And so, um, right. You, you have that burden, uh, to, to see the kingdom spread for the loss. Like you said, uh, getting involved in people's lives, going out and gathering. Um, and then, you know, hopefully a, a, a God spirit filled, uh, naive, optimism. (laughs) Right. Yeah. That's so true. And John, I would add one of the things that you often hear in church planting circles is that a planter must be a dynamic teacher and preacher. And we all want to think that we're a dynamic teacher and preacher, but I think for the most part, um, that's only can be said about a select few. Uh, My mentor, for example, I would say he was faithful to the text. He was faithful to scriptures, but he wasn't a dynamic teacher. He wasn't a dynamic preacher, but he loved people deeply and he loved them well. And as a result of that, they wanted to hear what he had to say. And so 
in terms of church planting, I've noticed that people have stayed away from it because they think that this is something that I need to excel at and I'm perhaps average or above average maybe, but I'm not great. And I would encourage those people that think that way that it's faithfulness to the text combined with a heart for people, loving people, caring about them and walking alongside them that makes for a great church planter. Yeah. And if you think about our our own denomination, Presbyterian Church in America, everybody who's qualified to be a church planter has a seminary degree. They've taken preaching courses. They, they know, they have a shared, you know, um, theological framework that we're working from. So some of that is kind of being, being able to set aside and we're really kind of looking more to the particulars of a person and the way God has gifted them. I've been on a search committee for a church planter. Um, and I remember the different types of candidates we had come in and one of them, uh, was really good at discipleship and evangelism. That's, that was kind of his bread and butter. And I could think that's a, that's a great, you know, base to, to work with somebody who's going to be able to go and make disciples and, and go reach people in that city. And then there was another candidate that we talked to for a while and, and I knew him as being extremely hospitable, right? They just always had people in their house, uh, super warm and welcoming people. Now, very different, right? Probably not as um, gifted in, in the uh, specific way I'm going to disciple people and, and having the same experiences. But both of those guys could easily plant churches with their gifts that would create a different kind of culture. It would be a different church if we sent a different guy there. Right. But at the same time, um, the things that they were strong at really can be a catalyst for how that church is going to begin and what that first group of people is going to look like and the, the values of that congregation would be moving forward. Mm. That's key. So, John, what are some of the key factors to consider when you think about whether the Lord is calling you to plant? What would you say those are? Yeah, so similar to a call to ministry, I think there's a there's a sense in which you want to have some sort of internal call and some sort of external call. So the internal call we already hit on a little bit, you know, a, a burden. Uh, you see the need, and you feel compelled to go and meet that. You feel that the Lord is is leading you to go and and reach a particular place, and to build a church. Um, but the external call, you know, one of the things I try to do is as I interact with other people who are in the ministry or considering ministry is, is talk about church planting. Not everybody is a church planter. I don't want people to naively go just because I say so or something like that. Right. But there is a sense in which um, if people are in your life and saying, Hey, you should consider planting a church or have you ever thought about it? Um, or if there's an opportunity in your presbytery or whatever is going on, those external factors kind of uh, prompting you to consider it. I think those, those are kind of the starting point, right? And, uh, and outside of that, really, you know, we had a poll in our Facebook group recently about this. Uh, what are the kind of things, characteristics that you think a church planter needs? Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, if you have somebody who's uh, zealous for the Lord, who's uh, committed to the Great Commission, uh, who is able to endure some difficulty, right? Uh, church planting is difficult. 
but so is all ministry. So you're going to a place that's going to cause you to um, be stretched and there's going to be some extra endurance that's going to have to happen. But at the end of the day, uh, really, you need somebody who's, who's willing, who's committed to the Lord and to the mission of the church and, uh, and somebody who's going to be dependent on him to, to see it through. John, when I would meet with seminary students, I would travel to Covenant, RTS and Jackson, Charlotte, and talk to seminary students about church planting. I would tell them, it's not an issue of extroverted or introverted. Do you enjoy being around people? Can you make time for people? Are you hospitable? Do you understand on some level how to network with well with others? And if you've if those are things that resonate with you, then church planning is something that you might consider. Those are, those are some of the essentials. I don't think that's all of the essentials, but I think that those, those help. Um, fortitude is significant. You've mentioned endurance just a second ago. Um, do you have the ability to carry out a vision and, and see it happen because in church planning, John is a little bit different than other ministry opportunities. If you're an assistant pastor at a church and you feel like it's not working out, you can go somewhere else. If you're the pastor of a church and you're having a difficult time, you can come to the realization that perhaps this is not the right fit for you and that you can seek an opportunity somewhere else. But in a church plant, the church planter is the one who helps bring the church into fruition. And so you have to have that fortitude. Yeah, no, that's, that's definitely uh, key. I think in the business world, I keep seeing it come up uh, having grit. Yeah. Church planting is gritty. Yeah. Um, you know, you have to be able to get through some of the tough times. Sure. Um, so yeah, I definitely John, consider that a big point. Let me add the footnote here. We're, we're talking on a practical level. We're not dismissing the spiritual components to this, that it is the Holy spirit that helps you endure and helps you, uh, take one step at a time and the significance of prayer and church planting and, and being, um, in the scriptures daily. Uh, we're not dismissing those things. We're talking about church planning from a more, more practical level. Yeah, no, that's right. I mean, one of the first things I did with my core group was uh, to talk about uh, why would we start a church instead of a, you know, a, a youth ministry or a, a homeless shelter. Mm -hmm. And what, what I've found out, I didn't expect this, although I should have uh, my first two years on the ground has been about a hundred percent talking about what is the church? Why does the church matter? How mm -hmm. is God bringing people to salvation through the church? Like the, the ordinary means, the preaching of the word and the administration of the sacraments, that this is the place that God has promised to meet with his people. Uh, this is plan a, and it will always be plan a. Right. Yeah. And so um, really just, there's a lot that goes into it, but that, that commitment to the church is the means through which God is bringing his kingdom yeah. into the world. Yeah. Christopher Wright said it very well, John, that God has a church for his mission. Mm -hmm. 
John, does your life experiences and background factor into a potential calling to plant? I think it can just in the same way you might understand your gifting in any endeavor, right? And so uh, I mentioned in my interview in a previous episode that I had a background starting a business and starting a campus ministry. And so from an outside person perspective, those were things they could look to and point out to me to make the connection that there was some sort of shared ability there with maybe starting a new church. Uh, I would say what I know about myself too is I like variety. Um, you know, it seems like every three years I want to do something new. And in a lot of ways, church planters have to kind of be a jack of all trades. I have yeah. to know how to update websites. <laughs> I have to know how to write sermons, Bible studies, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. discipleship groups, right? There's so many different things and there's always new seasons. And so uh, I knew that going into church planting, it would give me variety. We would never really have arrived, at least not for what, 10 years or more as our church is entering new phases. And so as I, as I look at my back experience uh, and my desire for, for variety, I, I thought that was actually a, a intriguing uh, appeal to me about church planting. Yeah, I would agree with you. It's helpful, but it's not determinative. Mm-hmm. I would, when I talk to those pursuing church planting, I would say, you know, look back in the course of your life, business experience, life experience. Um, how well did you do at starting things? Do you like to start things? Um, the entrepreneurial questions those are helpful. I don't think it's, uh, I don't think it's the thing that you're trying to determine, but it can help someone understand if church planning is a good fit for them. Yeah. I think in general with life in general, if it's something you're not doing already, you're probably not going to start doing it when you become a church planner. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if you have never really gone out and done evangelism, but you think, well, if I was going to plant a church, I'd probably go out and do evangelism. Mm. You probably should start doing evangelism first. But if you're somebody that, um, right, you've led small groups, you've done these kind of, you've maybe been an outreach pastor, you were involved in campus ministry, and and you've really loved that kind of gathering of people going out, inviting others in, you know, doing maybe street evangelism or something like that. Uh, you can look to those things in your past and, and, and see how they would fit into a church plant. Um, and I think that's a more helpful way to think about what would it look like for me to plant a church, right? Cause it's not a one size fits all uh, mm-hmm. to look back on what are the things I've done that uh, I see the Lord blessing uh, as, as I've done them. And, uh, and how would that fit into building a church in a particular place? Sure. Yeah. I had a conversation not too long ago with a guy and I asked him the question. I said, when you go to a party, do you relish the opportunity to get to know several different people in the room? And his answer to me was that horrifies me. (laughs) And I said, well, that's probably a good sign that God has called you to the ministry to be a, a, a faithful teacher and preacher of the word of a faithful shepherd that doesn't that's but that's probably an indicator that church planning is not the best fit for use and he came back to me a couple of years later i think i said maybe i talked to him not too long ago but it was actually a couple of years ago he came back to me later and he said you were spot on 
So Hunter, as somebody who's going to plant a church, more than likely, um, they are probably married. They may have children already. Um, their wife may work a full-time job. She may be a stay-at-home mom. Uh, how does the dynamic of moving your entire family somewhere to plant a church play into uh, discerning a call to planting? My experience has been one that is different in both stages of planting. So the first church I planted, my wife worked full time and we did not have any children. The second go around, she does not work and we have a nine-year-old and a 13-year-old. So that's helped me think about what does it mean that you are going to do this as a family? You're not just going alone to plant the church. And so for us, the first time, we both felt called that this is what we were supposed to do. It was not me looking to her and saying, I think this is what we should go do. We had many discussions about it, covered it in prayer, and both felt like the Lord, for many different reasons, was calling us to step out in faith to plant this church. I would not have even thought about it if she had any hesitation or fear because church planning is a team. You, you plant as a team. And so I would say in many respects, what I learned in my first church plant is that my wife is better at it than me, that she brings so many gifts to the table that I don't have. And so when I, when I talk about the success of the first church that we planted, um, it's because of her. And I really believe that. And then the second time planting, of course, we prayed about it and we wanted to be, have a unity about what it is that we were going to do. I was wanting to plant and I made the decision I was not going to even consider it until I heard her say something to me. And one night we were talking about something and she looked at me and she said, have you ever thought about planting again? And at that moment I knew that it was just a matter of time for us as a family. But this second go around, we had to take children into consideration and we had to talk this through as a family. What is it going to mean for the four of us to step out in faith and start a church? Because I've seen many preachers' kids and church planners' kids damaged because of the decision that the father made solely that he wanted to go plant. So it's a, it's a team concept in my mind, not an individual church planter adventure. Yeah. And, you know, you talk about teams. I think what's really important, just as if there's a variety of kind of giftings and planter to pastor spectrum, like we talked about, it's the same thing for, for pastor's wives. Um, I know with my own family, um, the idea that we could go start a church not only kind of 
plant the type of church that we felt called to plant and set the kind of culture we wanted for our church and, you know, focus on the gospel, all the kind of things that we really valued and thought were important. We also were able to then set up the expectations for what a pastor's wife would be like. Whereas if I was to go to a, an established church in some town, if the pastor's wife before me um, led the women's ministry and the hospitality team and right, all those things, it would be expected that your wife would step into those roles almost in a one-to-one. Whereas with a, a church planter, I agree that the need to be united in, in the calling that um, you both feel that the Lord's called you to this and you're doing it together is absolutely uh, necessary. But what that looks like, what, you know, is going to be very different. You mentioned your two planting things. One, your wife was working full time. Uh, that probably looks a lot different than it looks now. Um, and with the kids in the mix, you know, one of the greatest joys uh, early on in our church plant has been our kids uh, involvement. Uh, when we started meeting, having these interest meetings, uh, my daughter, who was Oh, eight or nine at the time, uh, helped me print everything out and put it into folders. And we got there early one week uh, before things. So she was decorating and, you know, kids help pass out bulletins, whatever it is, uh, they're bought into it too. They know what we're doing. They're excited about it. They're working in the ministry alongside of us. And I'm sure the dynamic between my wife and me and my kids is different than yours. And it's different mm -hmm. than everybody else's. And I think that's one of the unique advantages of church planting or appeals to it is uh, you're able to kind of create culture uh, from the ground up. That's right. I, I was concerned, John, about my daughter. She's 13 and there's no one her age in the church plant. And that was a big concern. I called a pastor that I just really look up to and he has a lot of church planning experience and he gave me a great nugget of advice he said give her an area of ministry within the church and let her own it and so that will become a big thing for her and enable her to feel a part of the vision and the mission and we've done that and so she sees trinity church pca as her vision and her mission that she's helping to do this. And we don't have any real discussions about the fact that there's not a youth group. She's bought into what we're doing. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. Figuring out a way to be meaningfully connected and involved in the body of the, of the church is uh, definitely essential, not only for our own kids, but for all the members. Right. And that's what uh, one of the advantages of church plant, uh, easy to get involved. Uh, before we end here, I thought it would be helpful for us to just go a little bit into, um, you know, we talked about gifting and different things, but what are the different types of church plants that are out there? If I'm thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe I could plant a church, I don't know, but still this idea of traveling to the middle of nowhere where there's nobody to plant a church, going to a place like Fargo, North Dakota, is just it keeps me up at night, right? Uh, <laughs> what? what I'm doing is different than what you're doing. Uh, what, what are the different categories of church planting uh, in terms of opportunities that maybe different people would fit into? Sure. There, of course, you have different demographic settings. You have inner city church planting, urban, suburban, rural, um, but there are also different kinds of relationships. You have the parachute plant that you mentioned in a previous episode where there's no core group and you, in essence, jump out of a plane and land and you, you plant the church. You have the mother-daughter relationship where a large church 
sends a church planter with some of the members to plant a church. You have, and this was the case in the first church that I planted, you have several churches that come together to, to start a church in their community. I've seen larger churches and several churches come together to send a planter somewhere else. So there's many different kinds of varieties of church plants and context. And I'm sure, John, you are probably thinking of some that I haven't thought of. Yeah, no, those are the main categories I had in mind. You kind of have the extreme, the, the parachute plant, and then you have these other varying degrees of maybe risk or, um, or maybe the amount of support you get. So we're going to be interviewing some network leaders in the coming episodes. And uh, what they're going to talk about a lot is the way in which their network supports their planters. So um, there are places where you can go and you will get really good training. You'll have people who have planted surrounding you, encouraging you, being involved, that you're going to get a group of people from a church. You're going to have funding in place, right? And some people, when they think about planting, think, well, I don't think I can raise you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars and get random people from some city to come part of, be part of my church. And maybe they can't, but perhaps if they were to go to the other side of town from a more established church and have 40 people with them and pastor those people well and train those people and have the support network around them, well, church planting looks a lot different then, right? There's still, mm-hmm. there's still challenges, mm-hmm. there's still risks, right. but it's different and it takes a different person to be able to do that than to be able to go to the middle of a of an area where there isn't right. a church. And John, we're going to talk about this later because I think we both have a, a good perspective on this um, in terms of we're in favor of it. But bivocational ministry mm-hmm. is a wonderful opportunity to go to places and to plant that's frankly not has not been done well in our tradition in the past, I would argue. Well, I'll end with this. Uh, we're getting to the end of our time. If, if you're considering church planting, if you're curious more about church planting, there's lots of resources available to you. There are things uh, on our denominational website. Mission of North America has an assessment center where people can go through an assessment over a weekend and, and get objective feedback from other church planters. There are network leaders likely in your area uh, that would love to hear your interest and answer questions. And so if you want to get connected with somebody, we, we know a lot of names and a lot of websites and, and it's kind of even some self-assessment things you could probably even do. And if you want to just send us a message and we'll message you back and forth a bunch. I uh, love to continue to talk about church planting. Um, please reach out to us and uh, we'd love to get you connected. That's the last word for now. We want to give a big thank you to everyone for listening. You can reach us here on Twitter and Facebook at the number five points planting or send us an email to the number five points church planting at gmail.com. We'll see y'all next week.